Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Ethos Boston Celtics podcast. It is I, your host, Lucas Gaynor, here with my co-host, Patrick Lonsbury, following a heartbreaking loss uh, in Game 5 to the Milwaukee Bucks, in which the Celtics fell 110-107, even though they had the lead down the stretch. Pat, you know, I've had a chance to sit with the game. Last night I was kind of feeling bad, but I think, you know, it's time to focus on Game 6. And uh, you know, look to force that game seven. But Pat, how are you feeling after uh, that that brutal, brutal loss, man? You know, I think that um, it was it was a bad loss. I think Eme had a quote after the game that I liked a lot. He said, "We made it tougher on ourselves. Now it'll make it sweeter when we bounce back." But no, we gave up a golden opportunity tonight, and it's almost in, in the sense of like, yeah. We really messed up, and we, we hurt ourselves. And then also just talking about if we make that bounce back, it's going to feel great. But at the same time, we need to look at this as like that's a golden opportunity if we don't. So he's just kind of speaking to the team and like, man, we can't fuck up like this again. Like if we mess up like this again, it's it's not going to work out. So um, I like what Ime's mindset is. I'm hoping that he reams into the guys a bit more, and, and they're a lot more disciplined going down in the game six. No, I love that quote from Ime. Honestly, uh, you know, I agree that it's like, you know, a good positive spin, you know, okay, this is a bad loss, but, you know, it's going to make it even sweeter, you know, when we come back and win game six and, you know, potentially win game seven. But I don't think there's any way around it, man. That's a bad loss. I mean, the Celtics were up by double digits with six minutes left in the game. And, uh, you know, they ended up losing on pretty much giving up an offensive rebound to Bobby Portis for a layup on the Giannis Smith free throw. And uh, honestly, you know, uh, we've talked about it before here. I hate uh, I hate giving up offensive rebounds, especially offensive rebound off a of free throw. Just a sad way to go out. I would say that's the play that really got under my skin the most. Uh, you know, obviously everybody's talking about the Marcus Smart plays. And I do think the turnover on that last play stunk. Okay. But for me, you know, the block shot in that steal, I personally, you don't have to agree with me, but I personally give more credence to Drew Holiday for making a fantastic play as opposed to Smart for, you know, blowing it. Now, that's not to say Smart did not make mistakes in the situation. I think everybody can admit that he did. But I think to me it's more as opposed to he, like, you know, messed up in the final moments. Drew Holiday just made a couple phenomenal plays. That's how I personally feel about it. And maybe I'm defending smart a little bit too much. But, Pat, what, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm going to come after you a little bit more here. We're on the opposite side of things for this opinion. Marcus Smart should not be the guy with the ball in his hands when you need a bucket. I, I just, I'm sorry. Like, I, I love Marcus Smart. I think he has timely buckets. But down the stretch right there, I understand he has George Hill on him and he wanted to attack and use his body and he got to kind of where he wanted to. But the amount of time it's going to take for you to use your body and break somebody down gives the opportunity for somebody to help. It could have been Drew. It could have been anybody. The amount of time you just took to go from the baseline all the way down and to find that shot, there was going to be enough time for the defense to recover. I would have liked a a better uh, offensive possession for the Celtics in that scenario. And I think the ball should have been at least trying to get into one of the Jays' hands, if not even Horford, who's a veteran. Um, when you're thinking about the guys like in that lineup at the five at the end, you probably have 
three guys that you're really like, yeah, they could take a shot here, and I feel pretty comfortable. And Marcus Smart's not one of them. He's not the top three in that in that lineup. I would say that you'd prefer Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford to take the shot in that situation. At least for me personally, maybe I'm I'm too high on Al Horford, but his veteranship and the way he especially he's played throughout these playoffs, I trust him taking a shot down the stretch more than I do Marcus Smart. No, and honestly, I don't think that you're crazy at all for saying that. But my thing is that uh, you know you heard Smart's quote post game where the play was originally supposed to be for Jason Tatum, but everybody was kind of standing around, and uh, that's how it looked to me. And honestly, what I saw, he had the, he had the baseline right against George Hill. So I said out loud, "Go take the layup." I said it out loud when I was watching the game, and uh, you know, I think he was just a split second. You know, the, you know, he kind of hung in the air for a split second, allowed Drew to get over there, make a phenomenal defensive play, block it, then throw it off him. I got to give my props to uh, got to give my props to Marcus Smart, but I totally hear you. Obviously, I would rather Jalen or Jason be taking that shot. You know, Al, you know, it's kind of a toss-up for me but it's with him and Smart, but no question. I would have rather seen the ball in Jason or, or, or Jalen's hands, you know, to take that shot. But I also don't think it was a terrible play that Smart made. Now, the turnover on the final play where Tatum was leaking out because his defender slipped and was wide open, that's tough. I mean, Smart was just trying to corral the ball at that point. And we got I gotten away from him, which is, you know, obviously his fault, so – that was tough for sure, but to me, I just got to give Drew Holiday his props. That's just where I'm coming from. I feel like it was more of a wonderful play from him than a bad play from Smart. But at the same time, Pat, I think uh, I speak for a lot of Celtics fans when, you know, we all wanted Jalen or Jason to take that shot at the end of the game. Yeah, and, and with Marcus Smart, right, in that situation, when I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, like, the turnover, the drive, you know, going down for him and – then you get to talk about the Jalen around and him bobbling for the offensive uh, or for the defensive rebound there on the free throw. Something that that's similar to I think everything is that we talk about with Marcus Smart. You're gonna either love him or hate him sometimes, and this was just one of those games where I felt he got into a really bad tunnel vision. That's why he wasn't able to see Tatum. That's why he's not really paying attention to Brown. It's like he wanted it so bad that it became a negative and he focused in too much that he became a tunnel vision. He was trying to just really be the savior of the day. And that's just the type of basketball that is more to the losing half of the of the season for the Celtics. So I'm hoping that the Celtics are able to get back out in game six and change a little bit of their mindset. Cause I did feel like Marcus smart may have got into a little tunnel vision. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. I don't necessarily, you know, think that it was that bad. You know, I don't think he was really trying to play hero ball. I think he was trying to make the right play. You know, like I said, that turnover on the last play is killer seeing how open Jason Tatum was being our, everybody knows he's our best player. I have all the confidence in the world. If Jason Tatum gets a wide open three in that situation, he's burying that. So that's too bad, but I don't. I don't necessarily think that it was like too much of like, oh, Smart was like, I just want to win this game, but because he played, he played quite a good game to be honest. You know, up until those last three possessions, which is disappointing. But you know, in basketball, it seems like you, you can lose the game in one possession, but really, there's a lot of things that went on, you know, throughout the game that could have been different that would have put the Celtics in a better position. You know, 
not having to rely on Smart those last three possessions at all. And I think one big thing, Pat, is our offensive execution down the stretch. Uh, you, you know, talked in, you talked about some old habits that was bad for the Celtics. I think that's really what the Celtics did. You know, after Jason Tatum had that big dunk blown by Connaughton, Holford had that huge putback. The place was rocking. It felt like the game was pretty much over. You know, we kind of got into one pass and stand still. And Jason to hold the ball for 10 seconds and then take a tough shot. And listen, I'm more than confident in Jason Tatum's ability to make hard shots, but you got to play basketball the way that got you there at the end of games. You can't just shut off and go into, like, ISO Kobe mode. you got to continue moving the ball, cutting, moving off the ball. And the Celtics just stopped doing that. And, you know, whether that's because they were tired or they just fell back into their old habits or they took their foot off the gas or whatever the reason – I think it was pretty apparent that our offensive execution down the stretch was not good. Yeah, you know, go getting outscored eleven to two in the final minute and forty seconds of the game is just un, unacceptable. And you know, like I said before, we, we talked about it a little bit um, before we started the show, and I said that it seemed like the Celtics team was trying not to lose more than they were trying to win, and. It was almost like they were being super conservative. It's like the same saying it goes in football, right? It's you just want to run out the clock, run out the clock, and then you realize, oh, man, I just gave the other team like a minute and 50 seconds to come right. back and and make up for it. This was the same type of scenario it seemed like for the Celtics is that they thought they had enough lead and they thought they could be really conservative and just waste time and waste time. They worried more about wasting the clock than running the offense and finding the best shot. And – Ultimately, that made them look like a very stagnant team, a very ISO team, and you don't win basketball games like that. They should have kept doing their sets. If the good shot's there at, with 11 seconds on the clock, take it. Take Be the aggressor still. Don't take your foot off the gas because as soon as you take your foot off the gas, then that then the next person's just going to come over and blow by you. Yeah, 100%. I like that football analogy. It's like going into a prevent defense, you know, with a little bit too much time on the clock, and then the team makes a few plays, and all of a sudden they're in field goal range ready to you know, end the game. And that's pretty much what it felt like there at the end. Um, you know, Giannis, honestly, it did feel like also the Bucks had a, every time the Celtics were trying to throw their knockout punch, it felt like the Bucks just had, a, had, a, had a, to stand up and you know, punch right back. You know, most notably a couple pull-up threes from Giannis late in the game that were just massive shots. They quieted the crowd, shrunk the lead. And honestly, as bad as I think the Celtics did kind of fold there in the last few minutes of the game, I do have to give the Bucks credit for how they played. I mean, six of six from three in the fourth quarter. You know, Giannis was beasting. You know, Bobby Portis, after smoking a layup that would have, you know, gave the Bucks the lead, he gets the offensive rebound and puts it back in the hoop. Um, you know, I do have to give the Bucks their credit, Pat. I think as much as I want to say it was just the Celtics, or I don't want to say it, but as much as I say the Celtics folded, um, I think you know you got to give the uh, got to give the Bucks their their uh, just due here. Well, yeah, it's, it's a mix of both things, right? Like it's the Bucks playing and not giving up the whole time. Like they they deserve to come back in that game by simply you know we had them up by fourteen points in that fourth quarter. So to see them just come back and and take over the game. It was it was just like they were making – you know, Celtics were playing so conservative. They just said, you know what, we're going to take advantage of these opportunities. And you have an opportunity now. Barry Porras ends up getting that put back, and everything just kind of momentum switched right there. 
Uh, like we said, the offense on the Celtics side seemed shaken that down the stretch because they didn't. They were just like, "Wow, we were so conservative. Now what do we do?" And they're like chickens with their heads cut off. They honestly just fell down the part. Felt just felt. Sorry, they just fell apart execution wise down the stretch. I thought a lot, and it was just simple things like boxing out. You box out in this game, you might win, right? Limit like two more offensive possessions, we win this game. Like you can look so many different factors, and you can blame this, you can blame that. But at the end of the day, the Celtics left way too many opportunities where it was simple fundamentals and hustle, and they could have won the game with just being sharper in those areas. And that is pretty frustrating at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, I totally agree, man. I mean, like you said, boxing out on that last play, not bumping into each other, letting Bobby Porter get that ball, you know, probably would have saved you the game and potentially could have won you the game. But now, Pat, the Celtics have to go and win two in a row, which we all know no team has done thus far in the series. we got to go into Milwaukee, take care of business in game six, before coming back to Boston for a potential game seven. So, you know, I'm just, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be hard. The Celtics were in a position to really, you know, make life a lot easier on themselves, give them sense, uh, give themselves two, two cracks of the egg, um, you know, to finish off the series. But now they have to win two games in a row in order to stay alive and continue their season. And you said before the show, Pat, you know, we don't want the season to end, man. This has been a really fun season covering the team. It's been an amazing turnaround, which, you know, I feel like I've said that this is not a normal thing that happens. You know, you go from being a sub-500 team to looking like an absolutely elite team. And, Pat, we never really jumped off the bandwagon, you know, of the Celtics being. And, you know, we said, how many times, Pat, did we say? This team has a couple playoff rounds in them. You know, that was our expectation. And guess what? That's what, you know – They've done so far, and they've kind of the Celtics themselves have recalibrated their expectations to, to championship. Now it feels a little unfair for us to do that, you know, given you know covering them. You know, I think it's awesome they're striving for a championship, but I just don't want the season to end. Basically, that's what that's what I was trying to say right there. I want to see the Celtics go out and win Game Six. You know, stamp it with the Jason Tatum performance, stamp it with the Jalen Brown Mercury and retrograde grade performance. You know. 30 points each again. I really would look forward to seeing that. And uh, hopefully not even a double-digit win so I don't have to worry about having a heart attack this game. Yeah, uh, we, we could definitely use another explosion from Jalen Brown, who I thought was fantastic. We need to talk about that third quarter he had where he had 16 points. Um, crazy, crazy stretch for him. Just kind of started bullying uh, Grayson Allen, who was on him. Every time Grayson Allen's in the game, it seems like Jalen Brown seeks him and just abuses him. Jalen Brown was super phenomenal. He was hitting from the outside. He was getting some M1s in there. He was getting to the mid-range, fading away. He kind of was just on his bag. And, and I just like I just look back and, and watch some Jalen Brown in these these last few like months. And man, this guy's bag is pretty deep now. He's got a, a very, very good amount of weapons and moves that he can go to to break down defenders and it's honestly super fun to watch it's no no shocker that he was able to drop Grayson Allen at one point and break his ankles but um, Jalen Brown had just a, a phenomenal third quarter and he was hitting some ridiculous threes as well and it was all during while Tatum was pretty much sitting down so it was super crucial yes sir Pat and I believe I texted you 
I think Jalen Brown, you know, is going to take over here in a little bit. You know, and I'll admit I thought it was going to be at the beginning of the fourth, but here it was at the end of the third, right after I sent the text. You know, I'm not going to take credit for it or anything. Like I said, I think that's Jalen's skill and Mercury being in retrograde that we can credit for that. Uh, but no, seriously, Jalen went absolutely berserk in that third quarter. Like you said, hit some ridiculous threes. And when Jalen gets going like that, Pat, he's one of the most fun players to watch in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just times where Jalen feels so locked in. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but when he's in that zone, I feel like every shot that leaves his hand is going through the bottom of the net. So that was awesome to see. And it's a shame that that couldn't propel us to a victory. Uh, Another player I want to give a shout out to for the third straight game playing pretty well. Derek White. Derek White. My guy, Derek White. Pat, me and you never, never, you know, hopped off the train of this being a good trade. Derek White being a good player. Um, I feel like a lot of people did, you know, given his shooting struggles, which we acknowledged and admitted were bad. But uh, he was 2-3 or three last night and uh, played awesome defense, moved the ball well, attacked the hoop really well. And uh, once again, a shame that a good Derek White game goes to waste. What was your favorite Derek White moment in this game? Um, I would honestly probably say uh, that little stretch he had there in the second quarter would have to be. I mean, I'm not. I'm, that's not really a specific play, but uh, did he? Did he have uh, what do you have? Six or seven? Maybe five. Yeah, he had, he had a few buckets in that that court. My my favorite play for him definitely was uh, oh, at the five that five forty two mark of that second where he blocked Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Drew Holiday went for that layup and he just literally like was all Smoked on Drew. It, it was that's just. Fair. It was like step for step, blocked the heck out of him. It was just a, an amazing defensive sequence from White, man. No, White deserves a lot of credit, man. He's been playing really, really good. He had a huge stretch in that second quarter, and that's where it kind of gets frustrating, right? Like, So you get the second quarter by White. You get the third quarter by Jalen, and then Jason goes off in the fourth quarter, but also it's like where's everybody else at? He needs a couple more buckets from other people to kind of chip in. Like Jalen just went MIA in that fourth quarter. We didn't even really talk about that. Like he gave a lot out in that in that third. I know he had like another five in the in the fourth, but it just seemed like he kind of like melted down the stretch, just like Jason did. Yeah, yeah, that was tough. And honestly, uh, you kind of had to figure out Al Horford, you know, was going to come back down to earth this game. Um, he obviously wasn't going to go six for six in the fourth quarter with sixteen points again. Um, but, Pat, one big thing that stuck out to me about the fourth quarter, um, our three-point numbers could not look more different than the Bucks. It's not only that the Celtics went over, they did not even attempt a single three-pointer in the fourth quarter. And the Bucks, on the other hand, took six and made all six of them. So Man. that's obviously an 18-point difference right there. That's a massive difference, okay? And I think maybe the Celtics were a little too three-ball happy in the first three quarters, and then – they went to the exact other end of the uh, end of the spectrum there and just didn't attempt any, which was you know kind of bizarre. Yeah, I honestly that's pretty bizarre for especially a Celtics team that always seems to be trying to you know swing a haymaker at times where it's like all right now you're shooting too much, uh, but ultimately they just didn't have enough down the stretch, right? We we talked about a lot of things happened for the Bucks and not a lot of things happened for the Celtics. The 50-50 balls were all um, just landing on the Bucks' side, and you had Giannis also hitting clutch three-pointers. Like Those are things you live with. Giannis, Tabriel, Giannis that night, like, hey, man, you hit that three-pointer, 
and that's kind of what what built that that sustainability for the Bucks down the stretch. And it's just like, Giannis misses that one shot, like you're we're good. So and you're telling me he shoots what like thirty two percent from deep, thirty three. So that's a thirty three percent chance that like he doesn't, you know, like he he makes it, and like close to sixty five percent chance that he doesn't. You live with those odds. It's just unfortunate that we got burned by him at the end especially, of the day. Especially, Pat, especially when you factor in that he made two. Yeah, he man. That's tough. Two. That's tough. But listen, he's the best in the world for a reason. And he's not a great shooter, but he's added the at least threat to his game. Two massive shots, man. You know, just got to give it up. Like I said, got to give it up to the Bucks. Got to give, give it up to Giannis. And definitely got to give it up to that guy, Drew Holiday, who kind of played pretty poorly through the first three quarters. And then awoke in the fourth quarter to have an absolutely elite final frame. And, uh, you know, really buried the Celtics, man, in game five. But like I said, you know, this stuff is all in the past. Got to be positive about game six. You know, game five was a heartbreaker. I mean, listen, Pat, I couldn't really fall asleep, honestly. I was I was down bad, as the kids like to say, after game five. But, you know, now today I woke up feeling a little more hopeful. You know, the series is not over. And I think the Celtics still have a real shot to uh, to win the series, man. Yeah, the Celtics definitely are still not out of it. There's still basketball to play, and the Celtics actually have the most 3-2 comebacks in NBA history. So if there's going to be a team that ends up coming back from a 3-2 deficit in the NBA playoffs, Boston has a pretty good chance of it. Yes, sir. I do think I do think also as well that Ime is so good in bounce-back games. So far in the postseason, yeah, no, and yeah. we've seen them just respond and adjust and tweak, and you're just like, all right, I like the way we're doing. So I'm very confident in the Emay's ability to do that. Take care of Game Six, you know focus like on that, that, and then force a Game Seven. You know what little wrinkle I like from Emay that we haven't seen too much of? Derek White as the screener. I loved it, Pat. I love it. It was, it was, it was a nice little added. See, he adds like these little trickles of different things every time, and it just throws the bucks off. I love Derek White because in the in that in that uh, position, because on the short roll right there, Derek White's a guy who's going to be able to make the correct read. And I think it only happened once, maybe twice, but I really think it only happened one time where Tatum found Derek White out, out like as the screener rolling on the short roll. Boom! Found a guy in the corner, three ball money, like. I think that's a really good position to put Derek White and, frankly, Jason Tatum in because that means Jason Tatum is going to be matched up with a guy like George Hill, Grayson Allen, and Javon Carter, you know, if they switch the screen. So I think that's something maybe we'll see a few more possessions of. I mean, I don't know. I love that like, just watching it. I thought that was a really nice little win for him there. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident in the e ability to adjust. You know, he has shown us the ability to do that thus far. So, you know. Nothing without him now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, as well as what we wanted to to give a little shout out to as well is the executive of the year voting came out. Um, Brad Stevens didn't win executive of the year. Big shocker, probably for a Celtics fan who believed he he was really a magician as an executive this year. But he actually voted. He got voted six in the voting. So he was behind Memphis, Cleveland, Chicago, Phoenix, and Miami. That's so not even quite in the top ridiculous. five, which is robbery. That's, that's robbery. He should be top three at least, right? At least top five. Like, And I'm giving you a lot of leeway with top five, at least top five. 
He should be top five for the Al Horford Kemba trade alone. No offense, love yeah. Kemba, but still, come on. And he constructed this team. He brought Derek White here. Um, just ultimately had a pretty good season as an executive, especially in his first year. But wanted to give him his flowers as well. As we go into this game six breakdown, what do we need from Boston to feel like we will have success? Well, first of all, I mentioned this, you know, last show. I think a couple of shows ago too. You know, we got to limit, got to limit um, Brooklyn, got to limit Milwaukee on the offensive glass. You were right. You were gonna say Brook Lopez. It's, it's Brooke, okay. Oh, see, I could have saved myself, Pat. But uh, <laughs> no, but uh, but no, I really do think the Celtics need to limit them on the offensive glass. And I'm not just saying that because of the Bobby Portis rebound. You know, they were getting killed on the offensive glass. And Pat, let's hope that Rob is back because I think he'll be able to help clean that up a little bit. You know, Tice had 11 points, 4 or 5 shooting. Not necessarily the guy I want to see out there just at all, really. Uh, so when you're running with a guy like Grant, maybe at the 4, who's a little undersized, you know, it's going to be tougher to get rebounds against a big team, like, or I should say a big man in Giannis. So, uh, you know, definitely limit them in the glass. Take good three-pointers. And, uh, you know, make sure you make use of that mid-range game. Because the middle, the mid-range is open right now, so make sure they take advantage of that. But what, what do you got for keys for game six? Well, I don't want to use the same key there, so I'm going to uh, pivot my key here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this key here that I, I think is going to be very important for the Celtics is role players need to show up. Like, And the role players I'm talking about are Grant Williams and Derek White and Peyton Pritchard in the little bit of time he gets sometimes. Even you know whoever else comes in off the bench um, in the big man rotation also needs to have an impact. It's going to be very important for this team to come together as an overall unit to defeat the Bucks. That's what it takes at the end of the day. But we've noticed the other two uh, victories the Celtics have had have had extreme contributions from their bench. Uh, compared to the ones that they lose, they don't get as much production. So I think it's going to be a very important uh, part of Boston's success if they do have that. Do you have uh, another one for us, uh, Lucas? Another key you said? Sorry, my I got a phone call. Yes, sir. Um, I would just say, um, well, actually, I'll tie it in. Uh, I'll tie it in with a little bit of uh, some thoughts I had from Game Five. You ride the hot hand, okay? And I don't mean pass to the ball the guy, to the ball to the guy who's scoring. I would say, when you're closing, you gotta close with the five best players from that night. And I think the Celtics didn't do that. And I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to like act like I know better than Ime, but you know I would have loved to see Derek White close that game instead of Grant Williams, just knowing how well Derek White had played and how. Frankly, Question: Go ahead. Do, this, do the Celtics win that game with Derek White in instead of Marcus Smart in the last two minutes? You know, Pat, I can't answer that respectfully. <laughs> oh man, I would have. Okay, as a Marcus Smart stand, I'll, I'll let you plead the fifth on that. But oh. hey, the fact that you weren't as confident just saying no, you know, I don't, mm. exactly. I'm pleading the fifth. I'm pleading the fifth. I don't like uh, hypotheticals, and I don't like hypotheticals that involve me having to say Marcus Smart is doing bad things. So uh, I'm gonna plead the fifth. However, I do like yeah, you know Derek White's a good decision maker. He probably would have got the ball to someone else. So, you know, I'm not gonna say that we would have won, but I think it definitely would have been different. Um, but yeah, just you know, close the game with who's been playing the best. And I think Derek White kind of deserves that, honestly. 
you know, what about you? Any other keys? Yeah, my last key for this series, and this is going to be a, a big one, is staying consistent um, within the offensive flow, right? Like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Stop. Make sure that we're, we're doing the two to three passes. The one thing that I've always appreciated, you know, we've gotten some comparisons to this team at times of, of the old Spurs days, right? And you can see flashes of that with them. It's when that ball is just moving and zipping around and they're trusting in each other. If the Celtics can play a consistent game of that, even just like 32 out of the 48 minutes of, of that type of basketball, they're going to have a good chance of coming away with a victory and sending this game back home in game seven. So one of those keys that I am looking at for the Boston Celtics is continuing the ball movement and keeping that offensive flow fluid. I love that. I love that. And I 100% agree, Pat. And I don't think I have any other keys, but I do have some non-Bucks Celtics series related Celtics info to bring up. Uh, a couple new trophies were unveiled, you know, by the NBA for the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals MVPs. And the Eastern Conference uh, Finals MVP is named after our guy, Larry Legend, Larry Bird. Uh, so good to see, you know, the Celtics getting. You know, they're just due, specifically Larry Bird in that case. And also, they have renamed the trophies of the Eastern Conference Championship and the Western Conference Championship to Oscar Robertson in the West and Bob Cousy in the East. So back-to-back. So that is now, Pat, three out of six trophies, you know, to do with the Conference Finals or the Finals are named after Celtics. So, you know, if that doesn't make you feel good about who the Celtics are as a franchise – combined with the fact that the Celtics have came back from more 3-2 series deficits than any other team. If that doesn't make you feel good about Game 6, you know, our chances in Game 6, I don't know what will, Pat. As everybody can tell that Lucas is trying to to bring some more positivity and light into the moment and going into this next game with some good vibes. So um, I think ultimately the Celtics are the better team in the series, but Giannis is being Giannis, and it's – really causing a ripple, you know, into the Celtics. They've, they've let a, a golden opportunity go, but that doesn't mean that the series isn't over. And Tatum said it best, man. There's still basketball to play. Take it one game at a time. If the Celtics go in there into Milwaukee in game six and get a victory, then anything can happen in game sevens, right? It's that, at that point, don't matter what game you play. So let's focus on game six. Let's try to get the win, try to bring it back to Boston for game seven. All right. Uh, listen, I don't do guarantees. I don't usually don't do like predictions like this. But Pat, I think we're gonna win Game Six by double digits. I'm just gonna put it out there right now. All right, give me your give me your score prediction. One sixteen, one hundred four. Okay. Whoa. Celtics, you put you know, I think Jalen Jason coming to play. I think Al has a much better score. I just think Grant actually contributes. Maybe Peyton hits a couple threes. You know, I, I, Game Seven would is still a toss up for me. I don't think. It's- Doing that, the Celtics could win that game at home. But I am feeling confident and good, trying to bring the good vibes. And Pat, you can bring me on old takes exposed that the Celtics season ends tomorrow night. But I'm feeling pretty good about the Celtics chances tomorrow night. And, you know, I think we got it, man. I think we can win tomorrow because, listen, if anybody knows who to pl- like how, how to play with their back up against the wall, I got to admit, it's Jason Tatum. Every time we've kind of seen Jason Tatum with his back up against the wall, he steps up, rises to the occasion. And I think that I'm going to expect that. And I, I'm expecting a really big game from Jason here. And honestly, Jalen, 
so I got double digits. Uh, okay, can I say? Can I actually? Let me go one. Let me go one fourteen, one oh two. I'm gonna take it down a couple a couple points there. That's my final prediction. I liked it. I like it. Lucas is feeling really confident about the game six game plan. And yeah, I I mean, I'm going to go into mine, man. Um, I think the Boston Celtics season is going to end sometime soon, but I don't think it's going to be in game six. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) (laughs) It's not happening in game six, baby. I think the Celtics are going to come in. They're going to take care of business. They're going to force a game seven. Boston wins 110 to 103 on the road in Milwaukee, headed back to Boston in a seven point victory. Um, I just think that Jason Tatum isn't going to let his team go down like this. I think Jalen Brown is going to also play a more consistent, fluid game than just playing in the third quarter. Uh, Celtics come out pretty strong, and I, I think that Milwaukee struggles to to make a comeback uh, in this one. I love the prediction. You know. Hopefully it doesn't go down to the wire like these, you know, a lot of these games have, like I said, just so I can be at ease last few minutes of the game, hopefully. So uh, really looking forward. You know, Pat and I, I think we will be opening a room tomorrow night, you know, whether or not we record, maybe just get some fans up here, you know, to talk on the Spotify live app. Uh, We will be doing that post game. So if you want to come talk with us, even if we don't end up recording, you know, we just kind of gauge where the fans are at, where everybody's head is at, win or loss. Uh, come on down to Spotify Live. You can listen as a guest or you can come, you know, chat with us. You know, we don't bite. We love, you know, hearing what other people have to say. So that will be happening. Hopefully it's, you know, previewing a game seven, Pat. That's all I have to say, man, because I'm not ready to talk about free agency in the draft. No, I'm, I'm not either, I'm man. Not I'm not either. I'm not either. But uh, make sure you guys head over to Apple Podcast and leave us that five-star rating and review. Also head over to Spotify. Drop that five-star rating there as well. All that is appreciated. Again, you guys can follow the show at Ethos Celtics on Pat Twitter. You can also – these tweets out. They're raised really – Man, I, I try. I try to, man. I just guy. try to. Follow the guy. Retweet him. Quote tweet him with your thoughts. Roast him in the quote tweets if you – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, no, roast me. If you got a roast for me, come for me. But don't be mad no, if the but, Celtics page claps back, all right? So. Uh, yes, but go ahead and follow the account, man. Pat does a great job over there. Thank you. Thank you. And you also got Lucas on Twitter at Luca underscore Gainer, and you can also follow me at Ballin Opinions. Uh, we are also on Twitter, and we do end up tweeting out Celtics stuff all the time. Um, overall, yeah, man, we appreciate everybody's support. Again, Thank you guys so much for choosing us and listening to us as your Celtics daily routine. Yes, sir. I echo all of that. Shout out to everybody who listens live, who listens, you know, to the downloaded shows, uh, you know, who's rate, who's reviewed us, you know, take your mom's phone, your grandma's phone, your grandpa's phone, your aunt's phone, whoever's give us the five star. If you like our show, um, leave a comment, leave a question. You know, we're always willing to, you know, engage with, you know, our listeners and stuff because, you know, you guys help make this happen. So appreciate every single one of you. And like I said, we'll be here back here tomorrow night, hopefully following a Celtics win, forcing a game seven, Pat. We're not hoping. It's going to be after a Celtics game win, baby. Celtics are going to take game six. We'll see you guys back in Boston for game seven. Let's go. Yes. All right. Peace.